Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Lynn Testa, and today we've got a really special show for you based on information that Jim was able to learn about Disney's new Skyliner project. I will dispense with the introductions. Let's bring in Jim right away. Jim, tell us what you've heard. Yeah, and let me preface this by saying that you and I have been talking about this project since it was announced back in July of 2017 at the D23 Expo. And we've heard lots of things about it, right, operationally. We were among the first to kind of point out the whole issue with the International Gateway at Epcot. Oh, hold on, pause there, pause there. I was at Epcot the other day, yeah. and they've actually made the exit side. Mm -hmm. They've enabled them with tap styles to enter as well. Ah. So it's entirely possible at the beginning of the day, mm -hmm. the entire width of the entryway will be used for entrance. They've basically doubled the number of tap style points. Okay. But go ahead. Go ahead. There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. But anyway, go ahead and talk, talk about the Skyway. Okay. So had somebody reach out in, in response to that and really we got the sort of info dump you dream about. So let me, let me preface this. We had heard from somebody in Park Ops that they were concerned that the original design of the Skyliner did not have air conditioners. Yeah. And that's what prompted this question. Okay, so then you reached out, and, and this is what you got as a response. And it turns out that not only do things have air conditioning, we've been wrong about the capacity. I mean, we have to do a total brain rethink here, Len. This is not okay. the Skyway Revisited. The way we're supposed to think about this attraction going forward, excuse me, transportation system, though attraction is not necessarily wrong. We'll get to that in a minute. No, from, from what you heard, yeah. go ahead. Okay. <laughs> This thing is basically an omni-mover in the sky. It's going right. to move at 16 miles an hour. There's fold-down seats inside. There's seating for eight. But if people right. are standing up, these things can move 16 people at a time. Okay, so somewhere between eight and 16, depending on right. if people are sitting down or standing up. Okay. okay, and it will have onboard air conditioning units. It will have onboard air conditioning units. When you get into the station... This thing will move at basically one mile an hour. It, it, but it, the interesting thing, it comes off of the line at that point. It comes off of the wire. Oh. Oh, well, yeah, because it's going one mile an hour and the, and the wire is going 16. So they have to detach it. It's moving on sort of a beltway through this space. And in, in the style of the monorail, guests will exit to one side, supposedly the right. And guests who are getting on the Skyliner will enter from the left and they're looking for a load time somewhere between 25 and 30 seconds. That makes sense though, because you can stage the people who are going to enter mm -hmm. on a separate platform, just like the monorail for people who are exiting. That totally makes sense. This is the system that learned from the monorail. They're anticipating people with strollers, people with electric carts. So the lip of the door is at the same level as the platform you're standing on as you board. Ah. All right. So no frantically running to get a ramp so your grandma on her electric cart can get in and out of the vehicle. Well, and that's one of the problems with the monorail is that they have to actually pause the monorail and bring out those, those large metal ramps. You've seen those, right? Yeah. So this will be faster. Yes, very much so. And one of the things that gets stressed to me right off the bat is this is modular. The route that we have seen to date, the one that starts at the studio and takes those out to Art of Animation with the dog leg down to Epcot, this is just the start of the system, Len. Oh, I know. This is the first time I got someone going, yes, this is the future of this end of the property. So you and I had talked previously mm -hmm. about if they expanded it to the west, mm -hmm. to the Animal Kingdom, they could use Blizzard Beach as a central hub to get to the All-Star, the Animal Kingdom Lodge in Kidani, 
and also Coronado Springs and then connect that in somewhere like around the studios are up Are they thinking a westward expansion to the animal kingdom? The plan is the terminus for that end of the line will be a station that's built between Kidani Village and Animal Kingdom Lodge. Okay. And that actually passes the entrance of the Animal Kingdom Park. Yep. The other end of the system goes all the way to Disney Springs Hotel Plaza. Ooh, on the east side, yeah, yeah. northeast side of the property. Okay. They are deliberately positioning the terminus for the Skyliner there, away from the parking garages, away from the west side. It, it's going to be over more toward rainforest, and it will allow folks who stay at Hotel Plaza and as well as the, uh, I'm sorry, I keep, you know, I'm dating myself. I'm about to call it a Disney Institute, the Saratoga Springs. <laughs> yeah. It will allow those folks also to make use of this system. Well, that makes sense, though, because if you look at where Caribbean Beach is as an endpoint, mm-hmm. the way for it to get to the end of Hotel Plaza Boulevard mm-hmm. is by cutting down the middle of the property, sort of the oval shape that is Saratoga Springs, Old Key West, mm-hmm. and... Disney Springs. It's almost a perfect line. Mm-hmm. But from if you draw a line from Caribbean Beach through that property to the end of Hotel Plaza Boulevard, it literally splits right down that area of Disney Springs where almost all of Disney Springs is on the right and all of Old Key West and Saratoga Springs is on the left. That, that totally makes sense from a geographic perspective. This decision to bring this system in wasn't suggested by a Disney employee. It was actually by somebody that Disney contracted. He was a gentleman who one time was very high up out in San Francisco who was in charge of the San Francisco Municipal Transportation System, which is one of the most heavily used transportation systems in the United States. Evidently, this happened around 2013 or thereabouts. And basically, they went to this guy and said, we're bringing you in as an outsider. We, we know we have transportation issues here at Walt Disney World. We want you to come in and just with a blank slate, look at the whole system and tell us what we need to do. They didn't specifically bring him in to say, tell us how to build a gondola system. They brought him in to look at the transportation network as a whole. Absolutely. And say, what do we do for the next 20 years? Try 30, 40. Okay. Long term, long, long term. Yeah. And it's the notion, do we need more boats? Do we need a new monorail fleet? He came through with a very piecemeal approach. Said, first and foremost, you have to stop thinking of yourself as a resort. You're a city. <laughs> it's true. We've said it a, We've said it a thousand times. But he, he's the one who made the comparison. You have 390 buses, all right? You are the third largest transportation system in the state of Florida, only Miami. I, I said that. It's, it's Jacksonville and Miami. <laughs> exactly. I knew that. Yeah. I said this in the book. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So this guy starts in 2013. What have we seen? We've seen the double-length buses come in. We've seen the new expanded bus depot at the Magic Kingdom. And they're they're expanding it again. Mm -hmm. And we've seen things like the express bus lane into Disney Strings. By the way, that's a test, Len. And they're waiting till parking garage three comes online to see sort of sign up. Complemoose, great proof, yes. And then, if it works, we will see... That expanded out to each of the parks, that they will have their own dedicated express bus in and out. Yeah. But at the same time, he came back and said, now you understand that you need things like flyovers. I mean, for example, he was the one who pointed at the entrance to the studios and said, that's ridiculous. That's laughable. I'm surprised more people haven't died. And so this is why you see the thing that's being constructed now over by Victory Way. They're doing a number of flyovers. There's one there. There's one over uh, by the studios. There's one on Victory Way. The Magic Kingdom one just opened up, and it's 
fantastic. But, you know, it comes at a price, Len. That's $65 million. But again, on the other hand, it means you can just go without pausing at the parking plaza to get to a Magic Kingdom resort. And that's going to fundamentally change a lot of people's experience who are just coming in to go to a restaurant or a hotel or that sort of thing. But here's what it also does. So one of the things it does is it allows the toll booth attendants to print receipts. Oh. So one of the things that we've seen at the Magic Kingdom is Disney's now asking the parking attendants to verify every annual pass, Mm -hmm. every magic band, and then to print receipts for the cash. So apparently there was some loss going on. Mm -hmm. There were cast members were either waving people through or weren't checking Mm -hmm. thoroughly or, you know, maybe some money got lost. But by diverting all of the unnecessary traffic, like all of the people who are going to the resorts or all of the commercial deliveries or all of the buses, they can actually free up those traffic lanes now to make sure that they get every dollar that they're entitled to at the toll booths. Now, the interesting thing about that is I showed up last week at 10 a.m. at the Magic Kingdom. I was 10 cars back from the toll booth. It took 20 minutes to get through Mm -hmm. the toll booth because only one cast member was staffing both sides Mm. of the the lane. So, and, And they were, they were literally verifying every single thing that they could. So if you had an annual pass, they asked for ID. They scanned the annual pass to make sure it was still valid. They checked your ID. If you were paying with cash, they ran it through as a transaction on a uh, on a terminal, made sure that you got a receipt, and then saved a copy of the receipt and so on. So that was that was all being done. But diverting all of that extra traffic allows them to do that. Wow. Somehow you've made it sound less fun and efficient, Len. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that there's there's a, there are two upsides to it, right? No, no, this is true. Okay, and if it's $65 million, that's how they're going to make the money back. Okay. Now, here's the really fun part of this story. So evidently, this guy coming from San Francisco has kind right. of a unique take on transportation because of course you've got the BART system out there you've got the ferry system there's a lot of stuff that fits with disney but then the guy made the comparison well you know it all, all of these cities have yellow cabs and they're kind of fun you know you should really have your own sort of yellow cab and well that san francisco has, has trolley cars right san francisco is known for trolley cars yeah the yellow cab thing is where the minivan came in oh really when you see that red polka dot vehicle go by you know it's a disney transportation system and you're you're kind of like oh that would be fun to ride but getting back to what makes san francisco different is it has its system of historic cable cars that every tourist that goes to san francisco feels like they have to ride at least once and his argument was well well, look disney world needs something like this because that isn't the monorail anymore yeah it it, it, one time it was the monorail it's not buses it's not boats Mm -hmm. because buses and boats are everywhere Mm -hmm. but a skyliner is unique it would be an icon of disney transportation it's a good point we've been looking at the skyliner all wrong it's not just the transportation system Again, in fact, that's one of the reasons why the characters are all over there. Mm-hmm. This is an attraction. This is supposed to be Disney World's cable cars. Yep. You're supposed to feel like if you went to Disney World and you somehow managed not to get on the Skyliner system, you missed out. You missed out on seeing yeah. views of property. You, you didn't do the touristy thing that you're supposed to do. It's yeah. like uh, visiting the Statue of Liberty, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Going forward from that, the notion of eventually hooking the system up all the way from the Kidani Village, Animal Kingdom all the way to Disney Spring. Now, again, this is modular, and we, you know, we're watching this system come up in real time. Mm-hmm. It won't be up and operational to 2019, and I'm told 
that if it's a success that they hope it's going to be, that we'll mm-hmm. see an expansion out over the next five years. And eventually we'll have that complete system from Disney Springs to Kidani and, and Animal Kingdom. Right. But it, it's going to take a while and you'll have a component come online and then another component and so on and so forth. So it, look, it looks like though the things that they're planning are sort of like that southeast to northwest swath mm-hmm. between Animal Kingdom Epcot Studios and Disney Springs. So we're not talking about connectivity to the Magic Kingdom, right? That's not even... Well, I did ask about that. Okay, but that's not phase one or phase two. No, you know, that would be phase five. Yeah, okay. Initially, they want this just for this end of property because in a weird sort of way, I know you actually brought this up earlier, but I got confirmation from my guy at Disney. And basically, once this comes online, the Mm -hmm. lines get blurred. The lines get blurred where? Suddenly a value isn't really a value anymore because it's got this additional transportation system that's... We had talked about this, that that Disney's trying to blur the line between a value, a moderate, Mm -hmm. a moderate, and deluxe. The resort categories aren't going to mean anything anymore. Yeah. Oh, and they're going to use the Skyliner as an incentive for that. That's it, exactly. I mean, think about it. If you're Um. staying... At Pop Century, or if you're staying of Art, Art of Animation, you're you're supposedly in a, a value... A value plus, a value yeah. Plus. So we know that there are four levels of value resorts yeah. in Disney World, mm-hmm. right? So this will be like the upper level of... This will be like upper value slash moderate. Yeah. Nice. Suddenly you have a financial world in a time when Disney is constantly looking to create new revenue streams. The notion right. that you'll be able to pay for the system and more to the point, you'll be able to sell other resorts on the idea of getting on, you know, in on the system by oh, yeah, yeah. what it does. To I run. love your, uh, I love your point about how moderates have, or what, once we're done with Coronado, moderate resorts will have one more transportation system beyond basic bus service. That's it. Exactly. That is a, Really good observation, and I'm I'm sure you got that from Disney, right? La 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 that, la la. That, that's 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 gonna be their selling point, right? Yeah. It's like not just a bus. You could, yeah, yeah. That totally makes sense. This is Disney World repositioning itself out ahead of the that 50th anniversary. Anticipate when this comes online. In a weird sort of way, it's going to be 1971 all over again, where there were there literally used to be posters for the monorail to the effect of oh, oh, yeah. you gotta ride the monorail it's like well now you gotta ride the skyway so <laughs> we said a couple a few episodes ago that disney was not going to retain the shutters name for their caribbean beach restaurant despite what we were told specifically by disney on this particular question turns out today uh, we were right they announced that the new name of the sit-down restaurant at caribbean beach will be sebastian's bistro and that will join the Center Town Market, which is the quick service dining option at Caribbean Beach, for which concept art was uh, was also released this week. We thought that the Shutter's name carried too much baggage from its past to be useful. This isn't really a surprise. No, is it? no, but I, I can't. I just I want to see where they keep the wheel, the spinning wheel of uh, of what we're going to name things. It's a Sebastian from Little Mermaid. Okay, I get it. It's a little strange to me naming the restaurant proprietor as part of the thing that you yeah. eat. Would you like the gumbo? It's like with or without the host of the resort. Yeah. Are, there, are they going to serve lobster here? It's like having the uh, a restaurant named El Toro with a uh, with a bull mascot. It's just, it's strange to me. But anyway, we assume that the Shutter's name was too damaged for Disney to use it. It turns out that was true. Let's keep our nautical theme going here, Jim. We did a, a show a couple of weeks ago on some interesting technology questions that Disney Cruise Line had asked its guests. And I think you had said, that specifically they're looking at Alexa-like voice command capabilities. Remember the show? Yep. 
It turns out that uh, Disney Cruise Line has, has recently sent out another set of survey questions, which hint at what they're looking at for future seasonal and regular entertainment offerings. If you don't mind, I'd like to go through a few of these with you and get your thoughts Absolutely. on them. So one of the questions was, please indicate your interest in having the following theme available for one day at sea on your Disney Cruise Line. And the first one was Disney Broadway at sea. Runs of Disney Broadway shows that tour across the country will be brought on board, offering unique shows to guests in addition to extended entertainment offerings. What's the interest here in bringing in Broadway shows? I know other cruise lines like Royal will do things like the musical Chicago online. Is this what Disney's trying to do here, but not paying royalties to, uh, outside of the organization? It's actually part of a program that's underway about sort of expanding the reach of Disney theatrical. I mean, for example, just this past Friday, the Disney Channel ran a TV movie version of Freaky Friday the Musical, which Disney had developed and, in fact, had out in regional theaters in 2016 and 2017. And, in fact... Heidi Blinkeroff, the woman who played the lead in the show on when it was out doing this regional production, actually came back and played the mom in the TV movie version. But what's kind of interesting is that Disney sort of views this TV movie as a way to convince every high school on the planet that they need to do Freaky Friday the Musical. In fact, you know, this part of the the coverage they were talking about how they have the cut-down version that you could do with the junior high level, they have the full-blown stage version, which features four songs, but they also evidently have a high school version that's basically the TV movie. But you've got these high users of Disney anyway on the boat. And if you can give them a taste of a Broadway show, if you can bring in a Paige O'Hara, yeah. you know, the, the voice of Belle or that right. sort of thing, you, you get these folks excited when, say, Frozen begins its national tour in 2019. Right. I've seen Aladdin mm-hmm. on Broadway, and the thing that struck me about it was that it was different enough from not only mm-hmm. the movie, but from the really fantastic theme park thing that they did at, at uh, Disney's California mm-hmm. Adventure as well. Because remember when Aladdin was playing yep. at the Hyperion there, that was an excellent stage show. But yet this one in Broadway was even again different with new songs and new acts or new scenes yep. in it. So that would be good. That, and that's something where if they rotated the shows, you would have an interest in going back. I know as a, as a repeat Disney cruise guest, there are some shows you only need to see well, once. But now- right? so, so this would keep it fresh. Quick side note here. I was talking with a friend of ours about some changes that are being tested for the cruise line out ahead of the stuff that, you know, you're looking at the survey here. And among the things they're looking at doing now is taking some of the more popular shows on the cruise line and say during a day at sea, making them available for matinee performances. That would make sense. I could see that because, again, it's you can free up the theater to do something else. And we know that D- the Disney Cruise Line isn't going to have a new ship for three more years. Yep. They, they need to do something with the entertainment mm-hmm. on board. So I think that makes sense. A couple of other questions that mm-hmm. they're doing that they asked in the survey were related to those shows. So another one was specifically Disney heroes versus mm-hmm. villains and also a Pixar theme. So you think that this is all part of the the same thing? It's more to the effect of just sort of fine-tuning what people might be looking for. I mean, remember, for the longest time, they had the, the Villains Tonight show that, you know, in fact, there's a lot of people who miss that because of Hades was such a wonderful character and such a great MC. The rest of that show was so bad. It was. It was. It, it was. It, it, was, a, you know, it was basically the genie idea 
from yep. Aladdin with a different intellectual mm-hmm. property, a different story, but the same the same idea. It didn't hang together mm-hmm. as well. You know, and the weird thing is, it, you, to bring this full circle, Alan Menken just recently was talking about how he was working on Hercules the stage musical. So well, just get ready, Len. It's coming to New York. I'll be sure to take my heart palpitation pills before I uh, see it. There's one question on here, Jim, that filled me with rage. It's this one. What is your interest in an international food and wine theme? Prepare your taste buds for a cruise of worldly culinary delights. Special locations on board will be serving small plates and beverages from various countries, providing your family with authentic cuisine from iconic destinations. So let me say this. What they probably aren't saying here is that these would be an upcharge. But let me also say, you're on a cruise ship. It's the cruise ship's Mm -hmm. job to provide small plates and beverages from various countries, providing your family with authentic cuisine from iconic destinations. That's the job of the cruise ship. Right, Doing it as an upcharge would, again, fill me with rage here, Jim. If I'm cruising the Caribbean, I expect a Caribbean theme to the food. right? I, and uh, alternatively, if I'm cruising the Caribbean and they're trying to sell me food from the Mediterranean, that doesn't really make sense. I get what they're going for here. If it's an upcharge, I would be upset because they should be doing that anyway. <laughs> also, the boots would be out nine months out of the year. Let's face there it. There we go. All right. <laughs> My question, of course, is, you know, where's the pretzel wrapped turkey leg? <laughs> yeah. Why, so my response on this is, why aren't you doing this well, now? It's fine. I don't want to write on it. There are a couple of other ones. Disney through the mm-hmm. decades theme. Take your family on a cruise that celebrates the magic of Disney movies, both animated favorites and live action classics. Guests will be able to enjoy themed entertainment, character moments, and specialty offerings on board. It's sort of like the higher level version of the Pixar stuff, mm-hmm. right? There's a similar one for Star Wars theme, which, by the way, the Star Wars cruises are super mm-hmm. popular on Disney Cruise Line. I get that. Mickey Mouse theme. Celebrate everyone's favorite mouse for a magical birthday extravaganza, unlike any other. Aren't we just up on the 90th birthday now? Coming up on the 90th. Yeah, this year. There's, they're supposed to be doing oh. something. Princess and Pirates theme, a Disney musical theme. Join us as we invite past Broadway singers. Oh, so this is the theme yep. that you had heard. Join us as we invite past Broadway singers and musicians on board to provide classic Disney songs in live concert-style shows. Acts would be part of the series, varying by sailing, including other entertainment offerings related to the uh, magic of Disney music. So, okay, cool. So we've, we've both heard the same thing now. So, Or what you heard is sort of being uh, asked by this question. The, the one that interests me, though, is this Walt Disney World at Sea mm-hmm. theme. Bring the magic of the theme parks on board with activities representing each park at Walt Disney World, including entertainment, character encounters, and other specialty activities so if you like disney with a side of disney <laughs> what's the line from fletch i'll have a steak sandwich on a steak sandwich <laughs> it's, it's, it's uh, exactly that <laughs> the problem here is that the company is in a in a huge expansion mode a lot of money being spent on yeah. things like galaxy's edge and and the skyliner and and they they have bought three cruise ships which again aren't going to be available for for three more yeah. years at least so but, okay. and and also let's not overlook one of the other issues, there's a reason they're throwing all of this stuff against the wall and seeing what's sticking right now. You've probably heard the same thing I've been hearing about occupancy rates on property. They just opened Toy Story Land, but they're not quite where Disney wants them to be. No, it's soft. We had a, we mentioned on a previous show that future hotel occupancy is down mm-hmm. one or two percent. For the current quarter, that's probably not a good sign considering Disney just opened yep. a new land. And But you and I both know why that's soft. There are a number of folks who want to take a Disney World vacation, but it just doesn't make sense to them to go down 
to Orlando when Star Wars Land is opening in 2019. Yeah. I mean, the name of the game in in the theme park industry is you've got to have something big and new every year. And that's the way that you Mm -hmm. bring people in. And what Disney is looking at is is basically they're at now where they were right before the opening of Mm -hmm. Pandora. So from 2014 when they opened New Fantasyland to 2017 when they opened Pandora, they really didn't have anything new. They'd spent a ton of money doing Disney Springs, but telling people to come in and see your new retail dining Mm -hmm. complex is not a selling point. The thing that they're stuck in now is they had banked on Toy Story Land as being their big opening for the year. That seems to have gone on the low end of expectations, Mm -hmm. I would say. And they've got nothing now until the end of 2019. So they've got 18 months that they've got to cover because some people are going to come for the beginning of Galaxy's Edge, obviously. And there will be crowds throughout the year. But at this point, if families want to come see Galaxy's Edge, the majority of them are going to start planning in January of 2019 for summer of 2019. So they've got basically two years they've got to fill. And so this is why, honestly, you're going to see Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway hyped in a way that it probably, frankly, it doesn't deserve. It's a great attraction. Don't get me wrong. Oh, pause there. Mm. I was at Hollywood Studios uh, recently. I won't say which day because there's some other stuff Mm. I have to hide there. But while I was there... I went by to take a picture of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway mm-hmm. Railway, and I happened to stumble into a meeting of Disney executives and Imagineers all standing in front of the poster talking about Ooh. the attraction. <laughs> so I, I walk in, and they, they say, you know, basically, can I help you? And I said, you know, I'd just like to get a picture mm-hmm. of the poster, uh, you know, because it's, you know, one of those like eight feet wide and five mm-hmm. feet tall things. And then I said, you know, I am, I am super excited for this ride. I think it's going to be fantastic. And then I threw in, oh, by the way, if there's a Potato Land t-shirt at the, in the gift shop, I will mm-hmm. totally buy one. Just write that down on your notepads because they all had notepads. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. But they were there They were there talking yeah. logistics they- for Mickey Minnie's Runway Railway. That said, I mean, going back to the point about driving attendance, I don't think that's going to do much. It's one ride. Yeah. Right. And in fact, supposedly this is also why we've been hearing this talk about the interim illuminations i have no idea where that hasn't been announced yet jim i think it's it's like why hasn't universal announced the harry potter coaster is it literally just disney universal waiting for someone to blink to announce these things (laughs) to circle back to the cruise line now we're hearing ship number one of the three it's 2020 isn't it 2021 21 22 23 here's the fear evidently this is why you're seeing an aggressive entertainment. <laughs> what happens when you have all of these people who've been on the cruise line who suddenly realize that a cruise is not inexpensive? The price of a four-night Bahamian cruise on the Dream has increased 50% since 2014. Uh, and let me say, Jim, it's yeah. the same ship with yeah. the same cabins going mm. to the same places for the same number of days. 50% increase. <laughs> you can do that confidently when you have a product that people really want. No, it's true. People the are paying fear it, yeah. right yeah. now is that what happens when suddenly people begin to realize, ooh, these three new ships with wonderful new amenities. Maybe yeah. we should hold off. And so it becomes that much yeah. more. Oh, it's okay. So basically, the, the Disney's afraid of the cruise line getting into the Galaxy's Edge problem why would i book a cruise now when two years from now a new ship is coming out you then have to be that much more aware 
that your entertainment offerings have to be really, really, really tempting. And, and you are going to be data mining anybody who's previously on the cruise. Did they seem interested in Mickey? Okay, the Mickey birthday cruise. Send them all sorts of information on that. Did they take part in the pirate party? Yeah. Okay, pirates and princesses, make sure they know about this. You know, how many yeah. times have they been to the parks? Okay, Walt Disney World at sea. Uh, trust me, there is going to be some narrow casting, some tight focusing on, on who gets invites to what. The funny thing is, is that since you, you mentioned the data mining, and I can't say it on the show, but if I told you who got the uh, this questionnaire, you would totally understand why those questions were on that questionnaire. <laughs> okay. They are clearly targeting some of those questions to the person who got this, got this particular it. survey. All right, Jim, let's take a break. And then uh, you have visited the new Aventura Hotel at Universal, uh, Flo- uh, Universal Orlando, right? That I did. Let's talk about that after the break. Okay. All right, folks, we'll be right back. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. And we're back. All right, James, I think people who have listened to the show for a while know that we're huge fans of Universal's theme parks and especially the resorts. I think that, for example, uh, Cabana Bay is the best value resort in all of Orlando. I think that the new things that they've been doing at Sapphire Falls, particularly the Strongwater Tavern, Rum Bar is fantastic. And Universal has said that they're going to open up basically a resort a year, hotel a year, for the next decade, they could see going going out that far. You were just at the newest one, which is the Aventura Hotel, which just opened up in the last week, right? You were yeah. there for a, a preview. It officially opened on the 16th of August. I could have seen 30 years ago, given how sleek this place is, they could have shot a Sean Connery, James Bond here, you know, Bond hanging out in the lobby, you know, waiting for Pussy Galore to show up. So it's a, it looks like a deluxe resort, but it's a moderate, yes, right? Yes, and it's a moderate that's aimed specifically at millennials. They're designing the hotel. It's wonderful curve, floor-to-ceiling uh, windows. The Spanish-influenced design had sort of these three rounded hallways leading off of the main elevator core. And it was only when they were into construction that the fidget came into popularity. <laughs> the uh, fidget spinner. Yes. And, and Rustega, you know, the, the, the lead designer of the hotel, one of his guys came into work and said, have you seen this? And it's like, oh, no, we're the fidget spinner hotel. Now, though, luckily, it, it seems to have slipped from popularity. But yes, if you look at this thing from above, that's what the layout of this thing is. Okay. So it, it's got a series of undulating curves yep. that end in curved points. Yeah. A couple of things that strike me just looking at the exterior Mm -hmm. of uh, Aventura. Number one, uh, the font is definitely sleek Mm -hmm. and modern. Number two, they've used shades of blue color scheme on it. When you walk in the um, to the lobby, 
it's I'm not going to say industrial because I don't think it's industrial, mm-hmm. but it is. It does tend towards modern. So yep. I see uh, polished concrete floors, mm-hmm. concrete columns, a lot of simple color palettes. So like whites, grays, and blacks with uh, color accents, but it's definitely not tropical, right? No, not at all. It's sitting right side by side with Sapphire, which obviously yeah. is the modern- Which is tropical. Yeah, but again, sort of a, a modern, not touristy filter on that. But back to the rooms, I was traveling back to the airport. A friend of mine was mentioning that it was like being inside the world's tallest Ikea. It's very clean, modern lines for the furniture. Likewise, you know, for example, you go into every other hotel room on the planet and there's that TV remote. It's like, well, this doesn't have a TV remote. This has an iPad, which you can use to turn on the lights. You can use it to turn on the television. You can use it to broadcast to the television in the room, whatever video that you've collected for the day did, or you can use it to access your Netflix account. If you want to contact the front desk, it allows you to send them an email. You can send a message that way and have them send you towels or more shampoo or order a pizza or that sort of thing. So it's very right out up to the moment. Yeah. I, th- I think if there's anything we've learned, we've learned about millennials, it's that the human contact is not one of their top priorities. Let me ask you this question, though. Can you also order room service on the iPad? Because I didn't notice that functionality. You can order pizzas, that sort of thing. Okay, yeah, so you can. Okay, I, I just, I don't remember seeing that on the uh, on the menu. A couple of interesting features here on the decor. You mentioned the floor-to-ceiling windows, but I, I don't think that did them justice. These are huge floor-to-ceiling windows. And I think if with enough Windex, it could actually be polished to the point where you think those windows aren't yeah. there. That is a huge huge attraction for these rooms the view the view is stunning the other thing i think that's interesting in the rooms is and we've seen this at disney Mm -hmm. too the tv isn't mounted on a cabinet no in the case of disney it's mounted on the wall here it's mounted from the ceiling Mm -hmm. above the windows basically where the where the drapes hang sort of middle of the room right and we are dealing with rounded wings of the hotel some of these room Mm -hmm. layouts are crazy yeah, that's the other thing. Like in most of these rooms, because of the way the room mm-hmm. layout is, it doesn't follow the traditional hotel pattern of side by side beds. In the case of you know two queen beds, in the room that that mm-hmm. I saw, they're basically perpendicular. One's one's off in a corner mm-hmm. from the other one, and the, and the room is not shaped like a rectangular. It's almost like a, a, a strange L shape that's along like a thick well, L. Well, that's the thing. You, you know, you suddenly, you know, you keep going and okay, here's a place where they have a little fold-out couch or in some of the children's suite. And then to get mm-hmm. to the restroom, you're the kid, you have to walk through mom and dad's room and through the common area over to the bathroom. And it's, I, I again, don't get me wrong, I love the view. I I just don't know how the kids are going to love the view when they wake up in the morning. Yeah. It's like, Dad, put some pants on. All right, I just need to get to the, the bathroom. The one thing I will say about Universal's suites is that some of the bathroom locations could be could be better. And I've stated some really nice, I think the uh, really nice suites. I think the ones at mm-hmm. Sapphire Falls are actually really well done. I think the the suites there are, are, are good and the bathroom mm-hmm. location is right. Yeah, but like in Cabana Bay, mm-hmm. there's one bathroom for six mm-hmm. people, and Jim, my limit is four. Really, if I'm being honest, <laughs> my limit is two. I'll okay. share a bathroom with Laurel, but okay. I don't want to share a bathroom with my kids. I just, just not going to do it. So yeah, the the bathroom here is a little interesting. Again, I think it's fine for two adults. The one thing I will say about mm-hmm. about what, the way they've done the bathrooms is it looks like from the room design that the the way that they did the bathrooms allowed them to do back to back bathrooms mm-hmm. for adjoining rooms to save on plumbing costs. 
So that could explain, and, and that's that's common across every hotel. But it looks like you know using these strange curved shaped rooms, they were still trying to put in basically square or rectangular bathrooms to keep down on construction costs. No, but yeah, it no, does make no. for some unusual layouts. I'm not saying it's bad. In fact, it might even you might even say it's interesting. Definitely an intriguing setup and you know intriguing bordering on fun how about that all right so let's talk about the uh, the bar at the top what is it called it's called bar 17 our friend Shirley Karen was talking about how when she was in the room doing some shooting of the devices suddenly the Disney World fireworks went off and she could see them <laughs> you could see them <laughs> <laughs> you could see them from Universal Hotel, which tells you probably not going to be the selling point that Universal focuses on. But okay. I'm, I'm thinking that as well. Uh, but honestly, you, you know, you could see all you know all the way down to you know the courthouse tower in downtown Orlando. You could see all the way up. I drive to the Orlando Eye. I get. You could even way in the distance over the parks. You could actually see all the way out to Windermere to the uh, the Orlando, Florida Templar for the Church of the Latter-day Saints. I mean, it just, it is a spectacular view coupled with a bar that serves some pretty good drinks. So this is going to be a popular new space in Orlando. My concern is going to be that once the folks who stage weddings in Orlando get a, a whiff of this place it's going to be interesting to see how much how often it is in fact open to the public yeah especially the side to the right of the bar that would lend itself beautifully to events yeah it's a it's pretty spacious has a great view it's also not super bright like mm-hmm. i think they they hit the right balance of, of ambient light yep. on the whole thing i think it looks uh, i think it looks really really good did you happen to make it out to the pool See what the pool area is like? Yes. Now, it's not the world's largest pool, but to be honest, they designed it that way deliberately because what they've discovered since Cabana Bay is that there will always be a certain number of guests who want to get in the pool, but the larger number of guests want a lounge that they can lay down on. Yes. Oh, that's totally a trend. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll take the occasional dip in a pool, mm-hmm. but really if I'm there, I'm just there to sort of enjoy the sunlight and the warmth. And even the sunlight, I mean, I'm a, I'm a programmer. Mm-hmm. I don't normally go out in the sun. Mm-hmm. When I do, I'm wearing sunscreen SPF 100 <laughs> and probably a shirt. I don't really want to tan. Yep. I just want to be out where it's, I can look at pretty things mm-hmm. and do some work not in an office. And that's the thing. If you look cold-bloodedly at the pool area... It is, yep. you know, around a tiny, attractive pool with a fire pit, but you've got lounge upon lounge upon lounge upon lounge, and all designed for, you know, all of the fo- those folks who were sitting there looking face down on their phone. It is a fascinating property. As I was saying at the event, I'm going to love to go back to this place in a year, you know, six months to a year and see how many of these these innovations are, are still working or have been futzed with or that sort of thing. But the more interesting thing, Len, is as part of this press preview of Aventura, they gave us a lot of info about Surfside and Dockside and Oh, oh! This is the two. Uh, these are the next two uh, high capacity. Are these value resorts? Oh, are they value resorts, Len? Now I'll have to double check on this pricing. But when this place opens up and Surfside opens next year, it's 750 rooms. The following year, Dockside opens up 
with 2,050 rooms. When this is... Okay, so 2,800 rooms total. Okay, good. Okay, when this is complete with the room, the 600 rooms that were just added with Aventura, this brings Universal's uh, Orlando's on-campus rooms to 9,000. Not bad. With Surfside and Dockside, they're talking about, and this is value season, Len, Mm -hmm. so I want to caution people, $79 for a single room, and it's oh, insane. All right, but wait, wait. Okay, for and again, value season, two room suite, one hundred fourteen dollars. I mean, it'll it'll sell out every night. One hundred fourteen dollars is is what you were paying for Pop Century, you know, ten years ago. And I did not get this from a, a Universal official. I want to stress this, but I did get this from a hotelier down on uh, I Drive because mm-hmm. they're terrified of this resort. Oh yeah, I mean, when when Universal is going to be able to offer on-site amenities mm-hmm. for a hundred bucks a night, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we've talked about this. The Disney Springs hotels, when you add in the the parking fee and the resort fee and the tax, you're looking at one hundred and sixty dollars a night there yep. for for not a great hotel mm-hmm. offsite. And and the thing is that Surfside and Dockside are going to have the exact same amenities from a technological point of view. As Aventura. Take that into consideration. All right. I was told this by a hotelier down on I Drive. The word that they've gotten is that Universal has put out the word that they're willing to take a loss on Surfside and Dockside for seven years with the idea that they will end up (laughs) controlling the market on I Drive. They're willing to take losses for seven years seven. on those hotels mm-hmm. just to get people in the door. It's genius well, strategy. Well, he, here's the other part of the genius strategy. They're trying to flip the script. How many people go fly into Orlando, go straight to Walt Disney World, and then do build into their vacation time to do a day or two down yeah. at Universal? A, a, exactly, a day or two at Universal, yeah. Okay, here's the thing. At that price point, and you're looking at how much it costs to stay on Disney property, you look at what it costs to say it's Surfside Dockside. No, yeah. What are you going to yeah, do? I mean, You're going to for, se- for seventy for seventy nine dollars a night. Yep. Do you really need uh, Magical Express bus service mm-hmm. and extra magic hours mm-hmm. when a value resort is one hundred and fifty dollars a night there? Yep. You can stay twice as long. And what are the point? You stay there and go to Disney. Disney, exactly. Now I've done this actually. I think we've, we've talked about this on a previous show. Mm-hmm. There have been times where I've had to go to conferences in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And rather than staying on the conference you know, at the conference hotel, mm-hmm. I would stay at Cabana Bay because it was close enough to where the transportation time was was negligible. And I really liked Cabana Bay mm-hmm. a whole lot better than the conference hotel. I mean, if you're going to the convention center, if you're going to some of the Rosen, Rosen properties, I think Cabana Bay is is a better choice there because number one, it's cheaper. Number two, I think it's better. In, in terms of the hotel itself, number three, I think the theme is great. But yeah, I could see, not, not only that, I mean, again, if you're, if you're going for a convention, mm. even Aventura, Aventura is 207 a night with tax okay. in the off season. That's cheaper than any hotel you're going to get near that conference center. And it's, it's good looking. You, if you needed to do an event, you could ho- hold it at the bar. No, that, that's it exactly. I mean, it's just, it, it's, <sighs> it's such a smart thing to add to their inventory and then again to look at these and and the other thing if i go yeah this was honestly the funniest moment at the press preview that people are asking questions and at one point i think it's worth taking was talking about they've actually timed it from driving from surfside over to mm-hmm. if you take the bus over to the transportation hub where you you get off and then go upstairs and begin your march over to the parks 
you know, everyone's, you know, fretting about, well, you know, it's at the old Wet n' Wild site. It's so far away. And it's like I said, well, first of all, if you stand in the food hall, which, by the way, is what they call the food court at Adventure, the food hall. Food hall is classier. It's what, uh, it's what Herod's calls their uh, food court. There we go. go okay. If you look <laughs> out, you can actually see the construction that's going on at Surfside right now. Mm-hmm. He said, look, we've timed it. It's a faster ride from Surfside to the transportation center than it is from Cabana Bay. Wow. That's because of, you know, Cabana Bay has to go through two and three traffic lights where this thing is basically a yeah. straight shot. So that's going to be the weirdest part of it. They're going to have this like, a massive new pool complex with all of this, this state-of-the-art tech stuff. But And you're going to be able to get to the parks faster than Cabana Bay. I mean, it's just... Just it's going to be fascinating to watch when when these two hotels come online. They're definitely making a play for the middle class market mm-hmm. uh, there, and I, I'm really excited to see how this works. Jim, we've talked about this on a previous show. If Universal isn't looking at a Skyliner system, a gondola system like Disney has right now, to bring in all of their or to bring together all of their different properties because they're disjointed, uh, somebody somebody Universal is not doing their homework because I think that's exactly what they should be they should be doing at this event. Somebody pulled me aside and basically said, if you want to figure out how we're going to get people over to property, go drive up and down Major Boulevard. Evidently, that is the feeder road, the connector, and that it's it's basically already laid out for mm-hmm. a transportation system. Okay, You may be right on the money, Len. But Major Boulevard is supposedly the road that will, you know, 90% of this transportation system will be on. I still think they can they can do a transportation system because some people won't want to take a bus. But the linking the gondola or using a gondola-like system mm-hmm. would also alleviate the other major problem that Universal has. And that is that going forward, they're never going to have contiguous land like Disney has, no. No. right? So the odds of them, you know, being able to buy up land around where they are right now. I mean, they, they could conceivably buy the Holy Land experience and places like that and sort of expand beyond that. But the idea that they're going to be able to, to consolidate a chunk of land the size of Disney's is, is just never going to happen. But they can get they can get large chunks of land elsewhere and then bring them together. But the way you bring them together without having to build new roads or put more buses on the road is a, a tram system. Well, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because I, I'm sure you saw over the past week to 10 days... We had SeaWorld announce that, you know, that they'd seen an improvement, you know, in yeah, attendance. Better. Good for them. And at the same time, we saw them cut 125 jobs, but some of those are jobs that are being replaced by technology and some of them are redundant or that sort of thing. But the other thing that snuck out during this was that there's a buyer that somebody evidently is sniffing around SeaWorld. SeaWorld, really? I didn't I didn't catch that part. Yeah. There's a, a relatively small list of people who buy theme parks these days because <laughs> they're, they're pricey did they is there a rumor of who who i mean the ones that would come to mind would be universal you know uh disney and then merlin entertainment mm-hmm. those would be my three if you look at where the new park is supposedly going to be built and then you look at how close say SeaWorld and discovery cove are you know along with aquatica yeah i'm just kind of intrigued there again i don't have any Good, solid info on that. All I know is that Comcast, with you know all of the money they're pouring into Universal Parks and Resorts, isn't didn't kidding around. And when you hear that seven-year strategy, and let's remember that 
part of that seven-year strategy operating at a loss means if they drive other hotels and restaurants and that sort of thing that are around Surfside out of business, who do you suppose is going to buy that land? I mean, that's the thing too. There are so many hotels in that area that if if hotels start to go bankrupt, yeah. there are very few independent operators who are going to come in and say, well, you know what, if, if Hampton Inn couldn't make it and if you know, Spring Hill Suites couldn't make it, or Marriott couldn't make it, or if uh, Comfort Inn couldn't make it. Why are Why are we going to make yep. it? Right. I mean, that would that would depress the prices mm-hmm. along there. And yeah. just think about if they expand, how many different directions they could expand their footprint there. One final thing before we wrap here. Again, this is. But you had mentioned the transportation system. Russ was telling a story about they were looking to figure out how they could link Surfside and Dockside to the quote-unquote main campus of Universal Orlando. And he said, mm-hmm. you know, one of the dumbest we ideas we had was an aqueduct. <laughs> yeah. So just going to put that out there. You know, just it, Canal? There we go. Canal system? Yeah, yeah, yeah going over not. I drive. So anyway. But you know what? Uh, initially, everything was on the table. I get the idea. Uh, Jim, good, uh, good episode and, uh, and good update. I hope you had fun in uh, Florida. I did. But like I said, you know, just I, I kept wandering the halls of of Aventura thinking I'm really not hip enough for this place. You know, just sort of a, t- t- take me back to Cabana Bay with your cars, with your fins and your uncomfortable furniture. So, All right. You've been listening to the Disney Dish podcast with Jim Hill. We are produced fabulously by Aaron Adams. Please go on to iTunes or Stitcher and write our show and tell us what you would like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We will see you on the next show.